You are listening to the Holistic Travelers Podcast. Thanks for stopping in if you're new. Um, you can uh, join my Telegram team, see where I'm getting some of my information. I hope you're doing something amazing to take care of your health and your mind, your body, and your soul in this crazy world we live in. Um, I have some some good stuff today. Um, I'm going to play this and then I'm going to talk about it. D-dimer levels. In my career as an ear physician, we use the D-dimer test specifically related to pulmonary embolisms as well as deep vein thrombosis. D-dimer shows up any thrombosis in the body, but it doesn't give you a diagnosis. It gives you a basis on going further and doing this ultrasound and CT scan to either confirm or deny the presence of a deep vein thrombosis as well as a pulmonary embolism. The first part of 2020 was probably the slowest ever in emerge department. When we went into 2021, when the vaccination rollout policy started, we did end up seeing an increase in the amount of strokes, transient ischemic attacks, and stroke-like presentations. Definitely significant more numbers of those people coming in. I ended up doing D-dimer tests on these patients and never before in my clinical experience have I seen D-dimers and the amount of people with positive D-dimers higher than 2,000, higher than 3,000, higher than 5,000. My clinical experience told me that I need to go look for a large clot either in their legs or in their lungs. And I ended up doing CT scans on these people. Most of them, and I would say almost all of them, had negative CT scans, which started making me think that if there was not a significant clot in their lungs, but my D-dimer level is so much higher than what I was usually seeing. It means that it might not be concentrated in one clot, but that it is multiple small microthrombi that is extended throughout the body, and that's so easy to miss because the CT scan is not going to pick up on that. These people that were coming in with D-dimer levels were all people. They were in my department from anything from about a week to about four months after receiving their second injections. There are certain factors that can influence a D-dimer test that can give you a sense of a higher level than would be expected in the body. That said, the patients that I was doing D-dimer levels on did not have a level of a maybe positive 500, 400 readings. It was more than 3,000, more than 5,000. So those are significantly positive without any proof of having a pulmonary embolism. If I was seeing high levels of D-dimers without a definite diagnosis, I needed to ask more questions. One study said, never ignore extremely elevated D-dimer levels. They are specific for serious illness, including venous thrombosis, sepsis, and or cancer. Even if sharply elevated D-dimers are seemingly solitary finding, clinical suspicion of severe underlying disease should be maintained. There were two conditions that stood out, and the first one was disseminated intravascular coagulation, shortly known as DIC. The second one is antiphospholipid syndrome. Both of these conditions are related to an abnormality in either the initiation or the feedback of the coagulation pathway, as well as the thrombosis or thrombolysis cycle, where clots are being broken down. DIC is a serious, sometimes life-threatening condition in which the proteins the blood involved and blood clotting becomes overactive. It's a cascade that is difficult to stop once it's reached a certain level. There are certain conditions that trigger DIC, significant sepsis, underlying viruses, parasitic infections, trauma, 
major surgery, pregnancy and childbirth, the least common causes toxic drug reaction, blood transfusion reactions, organ transplants. So there was a connection with intravascular products and a possible DIC. Most cases of DIC is diagnosed rapidly and suddenly, which is the acute presentation. But there are cases in which it develops gradually, occurring over a longer period of time. This is known as a chronic form of DIC, and I would go as far as to say a subacute form of DIC that is very easy to miss. Simultaneous clotting and bleeding can occur with chronic DIC. The bleeding part comes in blood in the urine, headaches, other symptoms associated with brain bleeds, bruising, and formation of red small dots on the limbs, kind of a petechia picture, bleeding at sites of wounds, and mucosal bleeding, which means bleeding out of the gums and out of the nose. I definitely saw an increase in nose bleeds and bleeding from previous wound sites, ulcers, as well as rashes that could not be explained. The blood clotting symptoms and signs was symptoms like chest pains, heart attacks, strokes, TIAs, headaches related to either bleeding or not, as well as symptoms related to kidney failure because of the clotting of those smaller blood vessels that goes to the kidneys. Antiphospholipid syndrome is a very similar type of condition, but the basis of the antiphospholipid syndrome is an autoimmune disorder meaning that the body's immune system makes proteins known as antibodies that mistakenly attacks its own cells or tissues. That gives a skin the cascading effect of a clotting disorder, but it is linked to an autoimmune trigger. Basically, it presented exactly in the same way. High blood pressure, which I was seeing way more of first diagnosis of high blood pressure, strokes, heart attacks, TIAs, heart valve problems, repeated headaches or migraines, vision loss, balance and mobility problems, difficulty concentrating or thinking clearly. The astute listener would start forming a picture of what we've been told what is COVID-19. And there are research papers connecting COVID-19 with an underlying vascular disease. One of these was a study called COVID-19, unraveling the clinical progression of nature's virtually perfect biological weapon. SARS-CoV-2 presenting as a COVID-19 syndrome was not a respiratory basis, but it was an underlying vascular basis, which had certain phases of incubation, pulmonary phase, pro-inflammatory phase, which once again comes into a cytotoxic inflammation process, then goes over into a pro-thrombic phase, COVID-19 and thrombotic or thromboembolic disease, implications for preventions, anti-thrombotic therapy and follow-up. This picture gives us first certain risk factors, homeostatic abnormalities that is linked to COVID-19, as well as clinical outcomes. In this picture, one of the tests that is mentioned there is an increased D-dimer level. It also mentions venous thromboembolism, myocardial infarction, and disseminated intravascular coagulation that is connected to postulated mechanisms of coagulopathy, as well as pathogenesis of thrombosis in COVID-19. I started asking the question, if we were able to detect certain connections between vascular abnormalities and COVID-19. And we based our proposed treatment on the spike protein, which includes the Pfizer and Moderna injections. Shouldn't we be looking for similar side effects or complications from that same injection? If we are mandating certain treatments, we do need to do the due diligence to make sure what is the side effects and the complications, especially in a time where there has not been long-term studies.
And that is what led me to focusing on the dimers. I know of Dr. Charles Hoff, and there's a couple of other physicians that have made that same connection to D-dimers. And I do think that it's worth looking at. When I started asking some specialists regarding the D-dimers, some of the internists, some of the cardiologists, and just ask them, are they seeing the same thing in their wards? Um, is anybody looking into it? There was no real interest to go digging deeper on this. We should be willing to ask questions if we are not sure. If we're in new areas, a new field, a new treatment, being humble enough and being honest enough to ask the questions. And I think that is what brought me to this point, especially the last six months. I got to the point where I decided for myself, I was going to take a public stance. If I remain silent now, I'm either complicit in this or just not brave enough to stand up against it. And that's why I decided to leave my job with the intent of saying, I have to distance myself from this institution at this stage and start fighting this fight on a bigger scene or a different scene. I see it as worth it in the long term and what we've got to gain from not giving up. Wow. 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 And I don't think that's shared enough. I don't even really get her name. But wow, she I, I know this is what's uh, so much medical like. If you're um, a lay person, that was a lot, you know, and you don't read all of the genre crap we listen to. To me, it, it, it connects all these dots um, with the possibilities of what I've been seeing. Actually, since I've been taking care of COVID, I'm so glad I'm two more days in the hospital and I'll be out of the hospital and I'll be working in a clinic and not be part of that mess. But then again... <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I, I literally trying to do more for my patients that have COVID. And if we could do something early on, that's better because if they get um, further in every single one of my blood clot issues like this, and then probably massive clots all over the place. And um, they aren't doing shit about that. They're giving people heparin. But if it's an inflammation driven thing, or my, one of my nurse friends says, Hey, is it, is it, is COVID-19 really a parasitic? And we, and that's why, Hey, Congress took ivermectin and it worked so well for them. <coughs> it, it's, um, all a little confusing. It's a little intriguing. Um, it makes me think because it made me think too a lot because I have to tell you when um, I finished and got my RN and they make you go through an, I, I was blessed to go through a new grad program all these baby nurses that are just being thrown out into the woofs are just following doctor's orders blindly and not using any of their brains um, you go through this whole thing and I remember going holy crap are they training me to think like a physician because I'm catching their mistakes and I'm to look for the PEs and all these things that you, they, they would like, okay, well, well, we want you to be the eyes and ears of the physician. That's how I, that's how I thought. And, and, and then I, when I started working, I'll never forget is that, you know, the doctor is rounding on, this is what the bad thing about healthcare that they were saying is that these physicians are now a city they used to come into the hospital, your physician used to have rights to go see you in the hospital. And then they'd call and they would, um, give suggestions, you know, and they would know you if it was your physician, right? Now it's like one that's actually owned by the hospital or whatever, or by this system, even before that, by this um, plan. And then these, these doctors 
what at the round on the patients and you know they'd have to spend five ten minutes i mean their list would be 20 25 patients a day you guys a nurse like on the floor um in some areas could get eight patients that's ridiculous your um waitress when you go to a place is given you know how many tables um, they can't, they would miss so much. And then think of pharmacy. There'd be so many steps in when it comes to taking care of a person. And the nurse is the last step. The nurse is the one who's like, okay, wait a second. This is off. This is off. This is off. Wait a second. Back up. Let me call and check on this. Hey, let me clarify this with you, doctor. And if the doctor gives you attitude and you don't like calling that doctor all the time, then, you know, Houston, we have a problem. Um, so it, 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 it's this cascading event. And, and then, then the bad thing about medicine now is that it's all pharmaceutically driven. Like, yes, all these tests and procedures and diagnose, diagnose, diagnose. Then we know what's wrong. Then we have a treatment plan. We don't work on overall health. You know, I was taking care of a COVID person and they weren't looking at her nutrition. What at all? At all. They put her on a full liquid diet because she was nauseous. And I'm like, but people need nutrition to get better. You, if you are sick, you need high end nutrition. Um, I am not feeling well. You can kind of hear it in my voice. You know what I did yesterday? I went and got a green juice. That is exactly what I do if I feel like I'm coming down with something. I want juice. You know why I want the green juice? Why I want high nutrients, dense God-given plant medicine in a liquid form is because my body doesn't have to work at all to break that down and get the nutrients. And what's like what Gurison found, and then they literally put Dr. Gurison, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with him, he's long passed away, but his clinic still exists in Mexico. How to go to Mexico? Because in the U.S. they they try to put him in jail. And then they literally, all these naturopaths um, over the years that have been killed, and these physicians that wanted to come up against the big pharmaceutical industry end up dead. I had people reach out to me about like doing my podcast and going, oh, they're concerned. I'm like, no, if God tells you to do something, you need to be bold with it. Um, we're all going to die eventually. Be bold in your stance. Be bold in what conventions and things that you're seeing. If you are um, lacking knowledge in certain areas, work with someone who isn't. And I feel extremely sad that people think that they can go see their white coat medical physician and get everything that they need and do whatever they say when it comes to some of their health. There should be a array of them working together. Um, you know, a naturopath involved, a holistic person, go get acupuncture. You know, we're dealing with some chronic issues with my husband. And it dawned on me last night, okay, why aren't we looking into this avenue? And um, I, this guy that has some videos, has a book on um, YouTube, a physician that spoke up. I don't know if it's still going to be there. If it is, I'm actually going to take it and put it on here because these people are getting attacked left and right. And he has really good stuff. And I, I have like a picture of my phone because I was cleaning up my phone. I have way too much data. So I'm deleting phones uh, stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I took a picture of his book 
and I have way too many books. But you know what, if I don't get it to it right away, at least I own that book, because I'm like, in the wake of the world, they're just taking these books away. And now I might be able to give this book to somebody and it might do good for them. That's how I think. It's not a necessarily, oh, I want it for me. I think about it for other people. Oh, I have this, you know, resource that you could go and explore. And um, we're, censorship is quite for real. So this is where I'm going to have this journalist that's in on my channel here in a second. Take what she's saying. And then you can understand that everybody's waking up global to the propaganda and the evil that's going on right now. And about the blood clotting thing. Um, you know, my fear was the people that got the jab. I still had this, I still have this personal philosophy that in the beginning or still of until these boosters started rolling out, people were getting all the crap that's in the vaccine. Some of them were just getting saline and that's what my prayer is, but I don't know. We don't know. You're walking, um, guinea pig to let them experiment on you. Okay, listen to this. That occurs with the natural infection is usually those sick enough to be in the ICU, and it's a troponin elevation only. It's very different than the myocarditis that we're seeing with the vaccines, which we'll get to. Uh, the myocarditis in COVID-19 is mild, it's inconsequential, and it's largely a troponin elevation. I don't want anybody to think that the myocarditis of the natural infection is anything like what we're seeing with the vaccines. Exactly. The vaccine produces the inflammatory type process. Is on the heart and the vaccine is directly there now there's preclinical studies suggesting the lipid nanoparticles actually go right into the heart the heart expresses the spike protein the body attacks the heart there are dramatic ekg changes the troponin the blood test for heart injury with the vaccine myocarditis is is 10 to 100 folds higher than the troponin we see with the natural infection it's a totally different syndrome about when the kids get myocarditis after the vaccine 90 percent have to be hospitalized they have dramatic EKG changes, chest pain, early heart failure. They need echocardiograms. If the ejection fraction is low, they need medications to prevent heart failure. So vaccine-induced myocarditis is a big deal. And in children, it's way more serious and more prominent than a post-COVID myocarditis. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, let's see if I can find that. that video. I have to go to my telegram real quick here. That was someone else's telegram. Which, if they're good like that, um, I put them over on my Telegram. Um, shoot. Give me a second here. It just, it, it makes me think, and it makes me sad in the same sense um, about this whole thing. It just, it just makes me sad and um, be completely in prayer with what we're seeing. All right, here's the other one. So I've just put together a little list on uh, what we should be talking about if the mainstream media was uh, doing its job correctly and giving us balanced two sides of the story instead of what we're getting now, which is very dangerous propaganda that is splitting society, pitting one side against the other and endangering lives and, and costing lives already and costing us our democracy and our freedoms. This is so serious. There is nothing more serious happening in the world right now for us and we have to be vigilant. I spent 20 years in the mainstream media. I spent six years reading the news, reporting the news, nearly 10 years doing the entertainment showbiz circuit, red carpets, LA fashion. Spent four years as a columnist, 
for a National Sunday newspaper and before all of that, four years studying journalism in DCU to get a degree for, for it, right? So I have a good idea what I'm talking about. Something really untoward and very dangerous is happening, okay? We should be talking about so much. Number one on the list, I would say, aborted fetal cell lines. Why aren't we discussing this? All right, we saw that the uh, Pfizer whistleblower confirmed it. This is part of what is going into your body out there, what people have signed up for. Why isn't it being discussed in the mainstream media? It's been pawned off as some kind of conspiracy theory. Very clever. Oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, ask your doctor if it's a conspiracy theory. Look it up. Luciferius, another ingredient, SM102. We know things are weird out there. Things are creepy. Things are satanic, quite frankly. And then there's an ingredient called Luciferius, the glow-in-the-dark thing. Why is it called that? Why aren't we discussing this in the mainstream media, on the airwaves, on our television, debates, in the newspapers? Why aren't we allowed to talk about it? Look it up on the Moderna website. Graphene oxide, okay, researchers are finding it in vials all over the world. What is this black goo superconductor doing in these so-called vaccines? Is it making us magnetic? Is it something to do with when 5G is turned on? What the hell is graphene oxide doing in the vaccines? Parasites. Hydrovulgaris. What's that doing in there? Researchers are also finding parasites. No wonder they don't want us talking about ivermectin. Right? Oh, that's a horse dewormer. Ha 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 You've got to be a conspiracy theorist to think that's any good. Oh, it's very dangerous. Oh, yeah. Very dangerous. It's been used on billions. We're talking billions, not millions. Billions of people worldwide. It got the Nobel Prize for being safe and effective. Yes, it's used on horses and on humans, too. Why can't we discuss this freely and openly? Why can't we discuss hydroxychloroquine openly and freely? No, it's just the vaccines and conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the big one. We really need to be talking about conflicts of interest. And yes, Professor Luke O'Neill, I'm talking directly to you. But not just Luke O'Neill. We know that he's funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but it's everywhere. It's The rot has set in absolutely everywhere. Who's getting bribed? Who's getting sweeteners? Who's getting blackmailed? How much money is exchanging hands? Who got paid to say what? You know, what we should be striving for as a society is full transparency. And we seem to have just lapped up this corruption. We seem to be so perfectly happy with this corruption. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see my former colleagues that I thought were actually decent people just go along with it. Read their autocue. Pretend this is not genocide. Pretend that people aren't dying as a result of what they are doing, as a direct result of what they're doing. Push the chair back and walk the hell away. Don't be part of this, please. We need to talk about vaccine deaths and injuries in the mainstream media. We need to talk about the deaths after the jab and the adverse reactions. Why is that not up on the table? Why are people being gaslit all over the place? Why are doctors refusing to admit that there's any correlation between the jab and the adverse reactions and death? We need to talk about the nursing home deaths and the use of midazolam. 
to usher in these deaths of our old people who were left to die on their own. And then it was put down as a COVID death. How much money exchanged hands? We need to talk about ventilators. We need to talk about these death protocols being used in nursing homes and hospitals. How much money did they get for putting people on ventilators, for the use of midazolam and for COVID-19 deaths on the death certificate? How much money? Now, if mainstream media was doing its job, all this would be discussed easily, all right? You know something's wrong. These are massive red flags when we are not allowed to discuss this. It's weird, it's weird, it's weird. Gotta talk about Bill Gates. Come on. You're not allowed to talk about Bill Gates. He turned up giving his Freemason handshake to the Queen the other day. And yeah, it's still, oh yeah, yeah, anybody mentions Bill Gates is a, is a uh, conspiracy theorist. We need to talk about his depopulation agenda through the use of vaccines, as he's told us many times. Don't believe me? Listen to old Bill. We need to talk about Klaus Schwab and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. We need to talk about the World Economic Forum. Why are why do these guys have so much power? Is it because they just have money? Is that it? We need to talk about the Chinese Communist Party and its influence in um, European political affairs and in the States and in universities. Uh, how much money it's pumping in all over the place. We need to discuss this as a free democratic society, if we are that, or have we all just given up? You know, are we going towards Australia? Anybody who disagrees, stick them in a concentration camp. Who cares? Are we that? Are we that? Because that's where we're headed. Are we going to go in the direction of Canada, where Trudeau is spouting off all sorts of hateful nonsense? And is that okay? Are we okay with what is going on? It is time to stand up, pay attention. I don't care if you're jabbed, not jabbed. It's time to come together as a community, as, as people. Think of our children. Ask questions about what are the ingredients? What are the ingredients in this experiment? What about the early intervention treatments that have been proven to be effective and safe? Why can't we use them? What is COVID? Has never been isolated. Is it the flu? Where did the flu go? It's back now again. Oh, you know, it's back and nobody's, everybody's just like, oh yeah, the flu's back. Lads, this is a pandemic of idiocy. It's a pandemic of cowardice. Find your courage, find your voice, ask some questions. Look at your mainstream media. I'm telling you, I spent 20 years in it. I'm looking at it going, oh, that is. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't it thought provoking? Does it make you think? Does it make you question the narrative? I don't know. It's uh, it's a tough world, and I'm just gonna. I want to say more about all of this. It makes me upset because I've seen things firsthand. And this is why I decided to use my platform and change my platform. I have to speak up and speak the truth and share the truth that's been hided for so many people. And I have loved ones and family members and friends that have taken the jab. And all I can do is pray. There's no reversal to this crap. All I can do is pray. And I hope that you're doing something more than praying and some kind of action to fight the tyranny and that you're doing something amazing to take care of your own health.
I wanted to discuss the inflammation and the inflammation and the autoimmune issues and tell you my story with that, but that will be on another podcast. So go check out more of my podcasts if you're new and give me a review on iTunes or Podbean. It will get more people to listening. Support it by getting some essential oils from my website below and be in prayer. Thank you.